Be Fabulous with Vibs and Vicky, the ThinkShift podcast for professionals who aspire to be fabulous leaders, those who not only succeed, but also purposefully seek to reinvent the world. Welcome to another episode of the Be Fabulous podcast. Uh, we've got some guests here today. We got, uh, well, we got our usual. Vicky, you want to say hello? Hi, everyone. It's great to be back. And we have uh, Robert Greiner joining us again. Hey, Vicky Vips. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So we thought this episode, uh, to be honest, this was um, this episode was really came out of some inspiration from Robert, and uh, and it's probably very timely right now. Where you know, as at the point of recording, we're in uh, March twenty twenty one. The bad sequel to 2020 uh, for many of us, and um, and you know we've been talking about this concept of uh, just just how do you lead through a crisis? How does a fabulous person lead through crisis, irrespective of wherever they are in their journeys, whether they're you know whether they're just starting out in that superstar performer space or 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 on the other side they're top notch executives or leaders and CEOs of their own company and. Um, you know, as I was talking about this, you know, Robert just, he's like, it's like his eyes came on. Um, it's like, I've been thinking about this so much from the perspective of what can I do as a, as an individual? And uh, we thought, well, why don't we do an episode on, on crisis leadership and, uh, for a fabulous person and, uh, see where that takes us. And, uh, one thing I'll tee you up with a bit of teaser for later on, um, you know, Robert's coined this idea of the M- MVCL, uh, which is minimally viable crisis leadership, and uh, kind of uh, kind of cool if you're a technologist and you're used to hearing the MVP kind of language. Um, but actually, it's a really practical way of thinking about what all of us could do as fabulous people while we're trying to lead through, you know, difficult and unprecedented times, uh, particularly when uh, fatigue is kicking in. So, without further ado, welcome everyone. Good to be here. Thanks. And Vips, what I love about this is when we think about crisis, I mean, we've been in extended crisis now through 2020 and now 2021. So it's almost like we need a new word for <laughs> when something goes beyond a short period. Like, what is it? It's prolonged, prolonged crisis. Yes, it's a chronic low-grade tension that we're all there feeling. There we go. Oh, that's yeah. a chronic low-grade. It's like a migraine. Chronic yeah. low-grade migraine. Yes, and if you think about that, if you have a chronic low-grade migraine, I don't even know if that's a thing, right? But <laughs> yeah, I'm sure just it is. Imagine, imagine that you have a constant headache. Whatever you go and try to do, you're going to be less effective at you want to go run around with your kids every time you take a step, you know how you get that throbbing pain. You're trying to think through something difficult. The stamina is not there. And we've had that collectively for the past year. So does that mean, does that mean Robert, that, you know, when we started out, you know, running like athletes, we're all now like, you know, you know, sweatpant wearing <laughs> Zoom addicted <laughs> Homer Simpsons. <laughs> well, that, that depends. So just like muscles, when you exert them, yeah. And you take care of yourself, right? You do the right things, you get stronger, faster, more fit. And some of us have done the professional and personal equivalent of uh, consistent training and exercise uh, to become more healthy. And then, you know, there are others that, you know, stay at home and, and play Fortnite all day and, and avoid responsibility. And, you know, it's hard, it, it's hard to cast any kind of judgment in the middle of a major global crisis. So everybody's situation is unique, but you can definitely 
be in a position where you come out of this thing stronger, more wise, and ready for the next one, and you can completely waste away uh, any any opportunity of, of growth or advancement uh, as well. You know, so you know something we were talking about, Robert, um, was this idea that you know we're kind of conditioned to think that crises are exceptional things. And uh, you, 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 know, you brought up some really interesting ideas that actually crises are just like pretty common. They happen all the time. Well, yeah, it's kind of funny, right? So we're in a once in a hundred year uh, health crisis right now. We have to go back to what, Spanish flu? Yeah. You know, before, uh, you know, to, to have some kind of analogy to, to what's going on now. But we just, you know, we have political crises all the time, environmental crises, financial crises, right? Uh, in 2008, I was an individual contributor. And so a lot of the playbook that the people around me that I really admire uh, and look up to from a leadership perspective, they earned their scars in 2008, right? And so they were ready, more ready for 2020. And yeah. so that's, that's kind of interesting. But if you think about, all, if you start adding up all these once in a hundred year you know, probabilities around every decade, you hit some macro event that's been true in my career uh, and and at a, at a minimum, I don't think it hurts to prepare. Like, hey, around every 10 years, something crazy is going to happen. So what can I do in peacetime to prepare myself, to inoculate myself from a future crisis? Yeah, Inocul- inoculation and vaccines are big on the mind these days. That's yeah, right. you're right. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> Sorry, Vicky, you were saying something. Robert, when we think about this type of event, these types of crises, how do you define them? Because crises can happen all the time in different ways. Like when we're thinking about this topic today, like how do you frame it up? Vicky, I made poached eggs this morning and overcooked them. It was a crisis. <laughs> <laughs> you cooking is a crisis. But... That's what I mean. That's exactly what I mean. It's a crisis for anyone who has to eat, eat it. So that, that's such a great question. I think it's obvious. It's been obvious since what April of last year that we were in a crisis. I think, though, that brought some visibility into this idea of operating and leading and succeeding in a crisis because it's so obvious now. And it's gone on for so long. Like, you can't just use your uh, ability to forget pain for the short term and, and move on with your life. Like, it's just, it's, it's persisted here. And so let, let me maybe give you a micro example of if you're a leader or you're just working on a team, any kind of team could be technical, whatever, uh, and something, you wake up one day and uh, yesterday was fine, today you're in a crisis, right? So micro example, this will cut through our discussion uh, today and we'll, we'll touch back on several of these points. But So this is a true story that I'll, I'll uh, change the names and uh, be sufficiently vague so as to not give away the, the people involved. But let's say you're, uh, Vicky, you're on a team uh, you're leading a team of of developers building some functionality for uh, a, a modern website. They're in the the startup fund. They've gotten funding. They're they want to go towards IPO. You're kind of in that zone. Millions of users. You know, established kind of a household name. Commercials on the Super Bowl. That kind of thing. So, your team's working on the site, and everybody's happy. You know, investor money's flowing in. And one day, the executive vice president of marketing comes to your desk, which is odd, and says, hey, Vicky, you know, this report that your team generates um, is kind of a problem for me. I need you to add a zero on this line right here. Just add a zero, send it back to me, we'll be good. You know, can't be showing our investors this, uh, this number the way it is. 
that's that you're in a crisis now. Mm. And globally could we, we you know for we spent 10 years in the in the in the biggest expansion in human history, biggest economic expansion, lots of mini crises in there, right? And so now you are in a state of crisis if you are not properly inoculated for that crisis you might find yourself really wondering if you uh what your values are and can you actually stand by them right so an example here what might be and and the the person in this story did not change the report escalated appropriately internally got the support they needed it ended up being kind of a non-issue but you know you're really uh what's the word pushing up against your ability to feed your family's addiction to food, clothing, and shelter. And that can, that can cause people to do some crazy things. So maybe a way to inoculate yourself is as you grow as a leader, you know, having six to 12 months of cash in the bank and an up-to-date resume at all times might be a good way to inoculate yourself from these really random things that come up that could throw you in a state of chaos or disarray. So I, I do think there's that physiological feeling of tension, stress, you know, not knowing what to do, your timelines are all of a sudden collapsed, maybe that's a really good way to think about, you know, you may be thinking about your five-year plan in this story. You might have had a discussion about going back to school or what it's going to take to get to the next level. The SVP of marketing comes in, makes that ask of you. All of a sudden, you're thinking about like the next hour, right? So that kind of collapse of thinking timeline and also that sort of tension you know, stress, physiological feeling kind so of paired together. So that's interesting, Robert, because you, you you know you picked up a couple of you know we're, we're almost in the the realms of you know defining how we think of a crisis. You know, and you kind of expressed it as an internal state. I heard you know, like a you know you you experience your own crises. Someone else might not experience the same crises. Um, I think we've seen that. I mean, I, I I don't know about I don't know about you guys, but I've come across a lot of my clients who are kind of secretly quite happy right now. And I don't mean that in a nasty way. I just mean that, that the quality of life impact it's had on them by being at home is in many cases, you know, reduced commute times by three, four, five hours. Um, you know, they've been able to fuse time with their children and teaching, um, you know, their kids into their work day. And so, you know, there's a, there's a the, the, my, my point is it's not all been bad at an individual level. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's that internal state, but, but it's also something about, is a crisis have, does a crisis have to be temporary? Like when you think about your emotional state, um, it does subside, right? You do kind of get over it and move on. So, so in, the, in, in the context of what we're talking about today, is that a healthy criteria to think of it? Like should we be thinking about COVID as a temporary thing? Well, Vips, before you go there, firstly, I'm really pleased I made the right decision that I didn't add that extra zero onto the report. <laughs> Good job, Vicky. <laughs> so thank you, Robert. You did, you did decide correctly. Yes. I was wondering which way I'd go in the story. <laughs> For those of you wondering, yes, it's it's a much worse decision to add the zero. Long yeah. <laughs> high, moral, high moral fiber, Vicky. <laughs> but, but, but as Robert was describing it, I was putting myself in the shoes of somebody, you know, who maybe is the primary breadwinner and has kids and has a high paying job and a mortgage and different kinds of expenses. And if this is how I make my money and I'm asked to do something that doesn't feel right to me, what is the internal stress that I'm going through? And, you know, for that minute, you could see how somebody could make the other decision. 
yes. turn a blind eye, right? Because, uh, and then be, cause a whole nother crisis internally because now you've, you've gone against something that you know you should be doing, but you feel like you're caught between a rock and a hard place. So I, I think this definition of, of a crisis is, is really interesting because it's personal. It's personal, and it can feel very small or very large. You know, like COVID, as Vip said, for some people, it's 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 been a gift. For me, it's definitely been an absolute blessing and a gift. And for others, it's been absolutely traumatic. And it's not only circumstances, but also the way we process things and how we think about things. So, I love this whole conversation about what is a crisis. So so great. I, I would love to dig in on that. Vip, you and I are wired the same, so this will probably make sense to you. It's not in my notes, though, so it could go sideways. Uh, maybe you'll edit it out if you have to. But so think in your mind, Walter White from Breaking Bad. Okay, <laughs> this is already wor- this is already yeah. working for me. Before yes. you start, think in your mind, Steve Rogers, Captain America. <laughs> Two obscure, normal people, normal people, that made a hundred decisions. And one's Captain America and one is a, a supervillain, right, who his entire life fell apart. Like those, those little things. Made so, so, such compelling viewing, though. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, we, we do love watching train wrecks. And, and so, yeah, I, I would say, you know, here, here let, me, let me use a personal example. And this is, um, I've, I've had two uh, really unfair advantages in this crisis. One is uh, my wife, Diana, has been an absolute killer partner. She's been great. And she's been the better of the two of us in this crisis. And so there's a lot of um, benefit to when you have two people under the same roof tackling a problem together, uh, you sort of get a, you know, this, the sum is greater or the whole is greater than the sum of its parts type thing. And so, um, you know, my wife has a full-time job. She's a scientist. She's got more degrees than I do and, and has been definitely the star of the show. So that's been an unfair advantage I've had. Um, and then also some good mentors around me who have, who have been through crises before, because I will tell you, I, you know, I got promoted in January of 2020. You know, I was very confident in my uh, ability to lead in peacetime, but to me, there was really no difference and stuff hits the fan. And now it's like, oh my gosh, there's this whole landscape of, uh, skills and, and, uh, behaviors that I did not even know I needed to have, right? And so that's been tough. And so if you if you kind of think about those things, you know, we were, uh, and Vicky, I'm, I'm sure in the same boat here, we were lucky enough to see that people, uh, the, a little bit of foresight to see that people who are affected by COVID in, uh, in general lost some or all of their salary. You had pay cuts, you had layoffs, whatever. And so very early, you know, I talked to my wife and said, hey, this could happen. Like we could, we could be in a situation where our income gets cut in half or more, you know, maybe we should start preparing for that. And if it does happen, then we can be in a position to respond more effectively. And so we, we did that. We, we took some steps, you know, six, seven weeks later, we had impact to our, uh, income as, um, as it relates to a pay cut. And at, when that was announced, you know, cause I only found out about it like the day before, um, I was able to focus on my team and those around me because I don't have to worry about my financial situation. I can worry pre- about it you later. You already pre-processed it, right? Yes, that's right. And it still hurt when it happened and it, there was still stress, right? Like I, I was worried. I didn't know what was going to happen. 
you know, it was a very scary time in April, May of last year. But it did, in the moment, allowed me the freedom and flexibility to focus on my team because my family situation was taken care of. And so that was a, you know, one of those examples. Like, yeah, there, there's like Amazon has grown in this. Like, there are several industries that have benefited from the pandemic. That that gives you a responsibility, though, to, uh, to make the best use of that uh, benefit that happened to swing your way, uh, instead of just kind of like I said before, hanging out at home playing Fortnite all day. Well, when you when you aren't worried about the next meal, the next paycheck to that extent, it also allows you to get more creative. You know, yes. as you know, as an example, Vips and I we started these podcasts as a result of COVID and and our shift up new normal, normal program. We just got all sorts of creative because you know we weren't worried about we didn't know what was going to happen, but we weren't worried about could we put a paycheck together for the next month. Yeah. So. So we were able to go into that zone of, like, well, what can we do? How can we serve? How can we create? And that's magical when that happens. But I, but I also know that when you're in that frozen state, it's almost impossible to create because your brain goes into shutdown physiologically. And, and so you took an action, and, and we'll get into the framework here in a minute, but you took an action that moved forward yourselves uh, individually, your organization. Like some of these discussions, we're thinking out loud, we're processing you know, we'll be smarter at the end of it than when we started. You keep doing, like, again, it's a, the hundred little things you do over time that will get you through this. There's no one big, uh, you know, scene that yeah. that happens, right? Robert, I think that's really is, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting that Vicky brought up that example because we, we had a really, what I would describe as a really high innovation year from our point of view as a, as a business. What was, what was probably more interesting, though, was... Um, yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of overlapping Venn diagrams, as you know. And, oh yeah. And and the key the key thing about when I think about it, it, it really met three needs though. Like, firstly, there was this you know deep value belief, really, because you know at the end of the day, both Vicky and I, and to be honest, everyone at ThinkShift, none of us are going to starve. We're, we're okay. Like from so from a you know from a Maslow's hierarchy of needs point of view, we were definitely living first world problems, despite the fact that that you know there was a truly global humanitarian and health crisis going on. So so there was a part of it you know the, from a va- ethics point of view, values point of view, it was it was also a sense that we are so much more privileged than than so many others. So let's try to do in our small way something to help. Okay. So that yeah. was, that was an underlying, I guess, value assumption. But then when I think about the three, three circles, if you like, for the, for the Venn diagram, it was, if I'm really honest, <laughs> Vicky and I needed it. It was a, it was a support system for each other. Um, because we've known each other forever. We're really good friends and we'll be friends to the day we die. And, and it was just, it, our relationship got, got stronger because it forced us to work together because we needed each other's support mechanism. And that's true for Gordon, that's true for Amy, that's true for everyone else at ThinkShift as well. Um, so that was, the, there, was a, there was a, we had an intrinsic need to want to do something together because we couldn't get on a plane and meet each other, right? That was, that was part of it. Second thing was it had to make financial sense. And what I meant by that was we, ha- we had to, we, we, we were we, we pretty early recognized that 
this is not two weeks and we're done or three weeks or four weeks or five weeks and we're done. This is a year, two, two and a half, three, and some stuff will never go back. You know, it'll be, we're in a, we're an inflection point in terms of how we think of work, how we think of um, growth from a professional standpoint. And so that forced us to, to really make sure that let's not think of this as just a, you know, a short period of time to get through, but something that, we have to adapt to because whatever comes out of this will be a feature of whatever happens when kind of COVID's out the way, so to speak, when the crisis is over, if you like. And the third one was, how can I put this? A, a, a really strong desire not to, um, not, not to look for ways for how things could be the way they were meaning removing, removing the anchor that wants it to be how it was uh, in terms of, you know, the services we created, how we operated and so forth. But, but my, so that was a more, more, of a, more of a product thing, if you like. Mm-hmm. And I think when you combine those three, then you have something that's, you know, it, it's not just something that's going to give you the support and control and choices and decisions internally, but it also works from the perspective of professional growth, from the perspective of financial growth, from the perspective of, you know, an unserved need in the market and the world. And um, no, and that's a, to me, that's a really interesting, you know, that you, you teed it up that way. But then it did, it did make me wonder, and I, you know, I'll let you comment, but, you know, the question I'll throw out there is, you know, so on the one hand, we, we're sitting here congratulating ourselves on how well we adapted. On the other hand, you could argue that, we never really experienced the crisis in the same way that people were losing. Like, you know, uh, it, certainly in that first year, you know, my family was well, um, you know, we were fortunate enough not to have anyone, you know, an immediate family, you know, contract an illness or die or, or die or, you know, any of the non-professional aspects of the crisis we were relatively insulated from. Um, yep. And that would obviously change, I think. That would change, you know, how, how, fall you fall, how deep you fall into that, uh, into that kind of uh, trough of crisis. Yeah, or even just based on your age and where you happen to live and your general fitness level. Right. I don't think any of us on the call happen to have any underlying conditions that would make, for instance, contracting COVID a life-threatening thing. Right. Like we'd probably be okay. And that's a huge, that's a huge thing. You know, we all have friends who have uh, underlying conditions, you know, especially asthma is a really scary one, right? And now all of a sudden, that's a whole nother level. And what you hit on, though, and, and this kind of goes into the, the framework we'll, we'll talk about soon here, is you made a conscious decision to attack the crisis, to behave in the crisis a certain way. And you created this framework, and we're, we're aligned a lot in how we see the world, how we're wired. And so what you said makes sense to me, but if you're listening and that made no sense to you, the point, the underlying point is you, you went and, and moved forward, ran into the burning building, did what made sense to you at the time, given your situation, given what you could do, and that's been a benefit over time. And so I think if you're listening and you're, and you're in this position, you know, the, the key first thing to do is, is really to decide to be part of the solution and then to put some actions in place that are imperfect, that might not be right, but you have to, you have to move forward and you can adjust later. Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's talk about that for a few minutes because 
I've been thinking a lot about this as I think about 2020 and I also think about 2008 uh, and, and 2001 and the different crises that I've lived through uh, in my professional years. And what I noticed is that every time I look back on them, I see the actions I took to get through them and therefore I didn't experience them in what I would call a crisis or a, a trauma. I experienced them as, as a blessing. And it, it makes me really curious as to, is this something that can be learned or is this something innately in me? You know, is this my beliefs? Is this, is this something I learn? Is this something just who I am? Because it, it wasn't Great conscious. It was, it was just, you know, right, here's, here's what's needed and off we go. So I'm curious about your views on that, Robert. Yeah, and, and maybe the, the truth behind Captain America's superpower, we talked about him earlier, uh, is the, like his only superpower was his ability to, no matter what the situation, run into the burning building. Right, like he was doing that before he had superpowers, yeah. and so I, there's probably part of it that is hardwired, especially when you think about how people are are wired. You know, the if you're if you know you guys know disc, right? It, if you're at the high S, right, sure. you probably are more inclined to lean in when there's a crisis. What I would say though, and, and this is kind of some feedback that I give people on my team, like I don't really care what is going on internally. What really matters at the end of the day is the behaviors that you demonstrate and manifest. And so, you know, it's not, it's not easy to do the right thing. It's not easy to act in the face of crisis. It's hard. That's the hard choice. It's not the choice of the path of least resistance. And so if it's a hard thing for you to do, that's okay. Like what matters is that the behavior is taken. And if you are wired in such a way that that makes it easier, then great. You know, it's one of those things in life that just benefits you. But at the end of the day, I would come back to behaviors matter. Yeah, no, it's so fascinating. Well, I, I would love to learn a little, little bit more about if it's something we can learn, you know, what, what ideas, what frameworks do you have in place in terms of how do you get yourself through something? You know, when you've had a crisis, whether it is an executive coming to you and asking you to do something that you're not a big fan of and, and you're worried about your, your livelihood or whether it's something at the global scale or something unforeseen that happens to you. What is your perspective on how you get through these things? Yeah, uh, great question. So there's a lot of information out there on how to lead in a crisis. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you have the perfect playbook, if you're not personally equipped to navigate that, to again, engage in those behaviors, it's all going to be for naught. So I really want to focus on the individual here, what you can do, what's in your control and Vips mentioned it earlier, so that this sort of minimally viable crisis leadership framework, it's, it's a way to sort of weed out a lot of the heft and detail and like, what are the four core things that you can do in any crisis that will maximize your chances of success, getting through it, surviving it, thriving afterwards, and then most importantly, learning from it so that when the next one comes, you're even better off. Hey, Robert, 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 Yo. one sec, before you go into that, just very, very quickly, I want to I wanna just pick up on this idea of everyone's going to experience crisis differently, right? So, so let's say we're talking about the fabulous person. They're going to have a thousand crises over the course of 10, 20 years, right? They're gonna, there's always going to be something, you know? It might be a crisis because I didn't get promoted. It completely shocked me. And how yeah, am I going to respond to that? It might be, it might be, you know, I was on a sales pitch and it completely tanked. And I was the reason why we didn't get a $10 million contract. Um, you know, I might be 
a, a pilot working for an airline that's wondering if they're ever going to fly again. And yeah. I'm, you know, so my, my, my point I would get across is um, th- this is not just about how we get through COVID and 2020 and 2021. It's, I, it's really more about um, your, your framework is actually very powerful to look at however crisis manifests itself to each individual. Yes, absolutely right. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to make sure from an audience point of view that people didn't sort of ring fence it to just, uh, you know, the 2020, 2021 landscape. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's not just about COVID. It's not a COVID playbook. And it's not even a professional playbook. This applies in general, right? So the four elements of the minimally viable crisis leadership framework, that's a mouthful, uh, decide, communicate, forgive, learn, Okay. So we'll break into each of those, maybe take them one at a time. So first is, is design, or sorry, decide. You can think of this as sort of an iterative thing. So you can go down the four and then iterate back up, or sometimes there's multiple decisions that need to be made, right? So there's not necessarily an order to it, but it's, the, it's sort of the components that matter. So the first decision you have to make intentionally is decide you want to be part of the solution, Right. Are you going to run into the burning building, right? Is that, is that, are you in a position to do that, right? So once you've made that decision, okay, I'm going to be an effective crisis leader. I'm going to do my best to navigate through this, to survive through it. So you're saying, you're, you're saying, you're saying, just if I understand you correctly, decision number one is, do I want to lead in this situation or do I want to disappear into a cave? Yes. And okay. uh, just be clear with yourself about that. And, and you will get no judgment from me on that, right? This is yeah. a this is a hard thing. We just talked about some people are in a position to respond, some aren't. If you don't, if you decide to opt out though, don't act like you're opted in. That's just a recipe for disaster. So if you and you've seen this, right? Like if you try to save someone who's drowning, you know, like it can it can be it can be a bit of an issue. Well, so. but many people, many people have seen it this year. Many people have decided to opt out, but they don't want to tell anyone they're opting out. Yeah, um, because they're worried about you know in, in a professional world they're worried about how it's going to look from a review point of view or a pay rise point of view or a promotion point of view or whatever. So they try to they try to do very little, uh, but try to fake it by by pretending they've decided to lead when in fact they've opted out. That's right, and and by opting in, uh, you know, like me personally, my health took a nosedive last year. Like if y'all looked at my. I could show you a graph of my Apple Watch exercise minutes. They cut in a quarter last year, like June, July, August, September is practically zero exercise, right? And that's not a good thing. And that's something that was a blind spot to me. I didn't realize until, you know, I got the sort of year-end report. But, you know, this, this comes at a cost. You know, we talked about Marvel earlier. You know, a lot of times when, when you have, a, it, when you're the hero in the story and you go and battle the boss at the end, you may lose an eye, right? Like the, these, these things are, uh, can be very damaging, have long-term consequences if you decide to, to jump in here. Like this is, uh, crises can, can have a cost for sure. I think it's interesting that people get a choice because I don't think people talk about that very much. And secondly, that it's okay to opt out and talk about it because as Vips was saying, I think a lot of people either consciously or unconsciously opt out but don't really share with others. For fear, of, for fear of, of, of unintended consequences, as opposed to owning who they are and how they're showing up in the world. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I also think there's a connection to a lot of um, 
noise, I would say, or, or, or not noise is probably too strong a word, dialogue um, over the last year or so around the rise of procrastination. Because I think, you know, in, in this kind of space, these are hard these are hard choices. Am I going to be part of the solution? Am I not? And, um, and you know, the worst decision, I always say this, the worst decision is the one you don't make. Um, and you kind of sit on that fence. Problem is when you sit on that fence, you know, you're cognitively hedging. And when you're hedging, it's, it's very difficult for you to lead anything because you're, you're going to be experienced as very, um, we used to use the phrase wishy-washy in the UK. I don't know if that works in the US. Yeah, that makes uh, sense for me down in Texas. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think this decide thing is a, is a big deal because um, so many of us are, so I think fabulous people have to develop the muscle to, to know that making decisions and living with the consequence of those decisions is a muscle. And yes. sometimes, sometimes it's going to sting. Sometimes it's going to burn. Um, but it yeah, has and to also be realizing, Also realizing if you make a decision or you don't make a decision um, or you opt out but don't really let anyone else in on the fact that you've opted out, it creates a, like a negative realm around you that eats away to you. It becomes really toxic because you're not being authentic to who you are. And that has to do with how you get through the crisis as well. So even though you, th you think you're doing yourself a favor by not engaging because it's too scary or, or whatever you have on the line, you don't realize what it's actually doing to you as you sit in a place where you're inauthentic and you feel like you should be something, but you're something else. So yeah. I think the key message is here is own it. Make a decision and own it, whatever way you want to go. Yes, and and it's not a binary thing so much as you know. I, I love the sort of lean in, lean out idea where several people I work with who are on a very steep trajectory, Vips, you know, a lot of them, they decided that this was actually a period where they needed to lean out because, for instance, their kids are in formative years and they said, "Hey, I need to make sure that I'm supporting my family," and the way that our school district has set up homeschooling is not going to work. So we're or remote learning. So we're going to go into the homeschooling route and that's going to take a ton of my time and I want to get that right. And I want my kids to be minimally impacted by this. And so I'm going to focus here and I'm going to do what I can at work. And if it's not enough, I'll accept those consequences. Yeah. And, and that, like that kind of discussion as a leader, like, yes, come, come to me with that. You know, this is not, uh, every, this is not one size fits all, right? Like everybody has their own situation. Vips, you had it right on the head though when you're not explicit about that, intentional about that decision, that's where things go sideways. Well, that, that, that parent who decides to homeschool their child is actually making progress from a leadership point of view. Yes. Yeah. They might, yes. they might, they might have hit pause, if you like, for the next promotion or whatever, for the next six months or nine months or 12 months or whatever it's going to be. But from a leadership journey point of view, they, um, they have built a story. They have built a empathy. Uh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're built in. Um, they're built something that others will find inspiring. People will look at that as examples of, well, you know, I could have done that, or maybe I should have done that. Maybe I should be doing that. So, you know, that's a really, to me that's a really good example of where, you know, just because you opt out from one dimension doesn't mean you're not opting into another dimension. Yes. The, the, I think the worst is when you opt out from all of them. And that, you know, right. that tends to look like Fortnite and Netflix. Yes. <laughs> well, the, and the funny thing too is, and, and this is, again, just I'm, I'm wired as a problem solver. When this person came and told me about that, my immediate thought was like, ooh, how can I help? How can we make this work? Like I, I was going into like, 
how can I support them? Right? Not, oh my gosh, you, you've let me down. You know, this is terrible. And so, yeah, you, I think having the discussion, because if, if, you, if you go in that direction and you don't have the discussion, you're just, you're just taking on debt, right? We talk about tech debt. We talk about relationship debt. At some point, the interest payments are going to be too high and you're going to be in much more trouble long-term. Um, so the other thing on Decide is you have to move quicker at a pace that's slightly faster than you are comfortable in a crisis. You do not have the luxury of deliberation and discussion and uh, forward thinking. A lot of times you have to just move. Time kills in a crisis, and that's a hard thing to do. So if you're moving at a pace that's slightly faster than you're comfortable, that's probably a good sign. Yeah. You've actually picked up two of the four Ds. Um, you picked up daring and being deliberate. Um, th- those two are in high need in this phase. Yes. Yeah. And if you don't know what to do, because that's uh, absolutely true. That was true for me. Is true today, right? There's some things I'm like, I don't know, still don't know if this was the right decision. Um, let me give, I'll give another analogy. So... If you look around your room right now, you, we can do this as an experiment. So Vips, Vicky, if you're listening, you can look around your room right now. And if I said your number one goal in life is to make your room as clean as possible, right, that's it. You may not be able to meet that goal because one, I haven't even set a standard. What does this clean as possible mean? But there are things that are popping into your head right now. Probably it's like, oh, I have this jacket on the bed. Uh, this pillow's over here, it shouldn't be. Like there are things that just kind of make themselves obvious to you. You can start there, right? Like you may not know the precise optimal move, but there are th- when you start to think about it, when you ask yourself the question like, hey, what needs to be done? Let me check in on my people, right? Whatever it is, if you ask the question, something will pop into your mind. So take us to the second one, communicate. Okay, communicate. So this is uh, maybe the most important one after deciding that you're, that you're opting in, you have to be hyper, hyper aggressive about communicating with your team. This is even more true in COVID, right? Because we're all remote. We're not in the same room, you know, that kind of thing. But I mean, if you think about, hey, your family, and this is where I talked about the partnership with my wife earlier, you know, that we had regular discussions about like, oh my gosh, things are, things are getting rough at work. You know, these clients just cut teams. We have all these, like, people we need to figure out what to do with. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Like, this is, uh, this is something I've never experienced before. The people that normally aren't freaking out are freaking out. And that was an ongoing, regular discussion. And sometimes it's, it's just as much saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm worried about this. Like, I have a concern. And then you just start the discussion. And so you definitely, and especially if you're in a position where um, you have to really lean in to, to address a crisis, that's something you, you definitely want to give a bit of a heads up on. You know, I think we have a good dynamic around, in, in my house at least, and luckily, uh, like I said before, where, you know, if my wife has something going on or if I have something going on, we can, we can give each other a heads up and, and kind of work around it. So there you go. Question for you. So, you know, I I talk about this idea quite a bit and I I think in times of crisis, you know, for, for fabulous, so there's no question you have to communicate more. The question is, if you think about your overall energy or your overall time or your overall capacity from a working point of view, on average, and I know it's different for everyone depending on roles and so forth, should you be doubling the amount of effort you spend on communication? 
Should you be tripling from your point of view? I'm really curious to see what number you come up with here because I have one. <laughs> Great question. Well, the um, so the, the best advice I've heard on something like this before was your and, and this this like doesn't quite apply in COVID, but you you should have the coldest chair in the building. So hmm. you should be up and talking to people, and no, you're never in your office, you're never at your desk. And so I would say, like, if you're not the one who's talking the most, you're not talking enough. And maybe that's a good sort of rule of thumb. It's probably uh, somewhere on the order of double. Oh, you know what? In my notes, I put five to 10x more than feels natural. But that's not quite what you, what oh, you asked. Okay. So I'll, I'll go with double. I'll go with double. I'll go with double. Okay. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I think that's fair. You know, I, I have a couple of clients who during this period have shifted from a town hall once a year, once a quarter to every two weeks having conversations and actually they found it a lot more comfortable and easy to do because of the intimacy of Zoom and Teams and and meets. Uh, it doesn't feel as, as awkward and, and standoffish and scary as when you're standing in front of 300 people. So I think yeah. there's definitely been a benefit for those that are more introverted um, to be uh, on Zoom. It, it feels more intimate but also you feel safe in a way that we haven't seen before. Yeah. Yeah. Probably the only thing, other thing I'd add here um, is so the way I, I describe it normally is you probably you probably should double how much communication you're doing, but most of it should be human centric because yeah. because people are suffering. You 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 know there's a crisis in play that's impacting your team, your group, your organization, whatever. So um, while while it's really tempting to kind of stick to business, stick to results, stick to what needs to happen next. This is when really to lean into to, to all of that emotional intelligence stuff, lean into, um, you know, be, be comfortable um, uh, communicating and discussing beyond the task at hand. Because I, I think you, you need, it, it acts as like oil in a machine um, at yes. this point in time. And there's a little bit of um, a, a problem shared is a problem halved in this period as well. Yes. Um, and I think that, that comes into this zone as well. Well, and maybe your approach, and I don't know that this is every crisis, maybe it is, certainly has been true over the past year, it might be a good idea before you, as a habit or a checklist, before you talk about a work deliverable, you check in on, hey, how's it going? And you, yeah. co- you sort of judge, hey, is this person in a, in a place where they're ready to talk business? And if they're not, like maybe there's something you can, you dig in on or it gives you some, some context or information. Um, and then also you could you could really branch out the type the medium of communication. So, you know, there's Slack. You know, post we'll post funny pictures of uh, what's going on. Like when we had this massive snowstorm uh, a couple weeks ago, there was a guy I work with. He he has a jeep and some skis, and he was uh, basically tied to the jeep, and his son was driving the jeep, and he was skiing on on the back of it, right? And they took kind of took a video of it, took some pictures, and. And shared that, and that was like a again when you have this it's human, chronic low grade tension, that really helps alleviate, right? And uh, so you can create audio, video updates. You know, we talked internally in, in our Dallas office about creating just a Dallas podcast where we just chat about random things that are maybe applicable to the the people close to us at work. You know, a video update every week about what's going on. You know, whatever it is, whatever makes sense. But yeah, somewhere on the order of doubling, you should definitely be communicating more than you think is natural. 
So take us on to the third one. Oh, I've got two, two more things on that one. Sorry. Okay. So one is uh, on the negative side. So this is some feedback I got. Your body language really matters. I was pretty stressed out those first couple months. And like you could see it on Zoom. And, and it, there's no laptop between you and the rest of the world. And so uh, it's like, hey, you might need to work on your serious face a little bit. Uh, and then there's this really great book called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Uh, and he talks about this idea of labeling. Uh, and so it's a way when you're talking to a person, he, he frames it in the in the area of negotiation, but I think it works for relationship building. Ah, uh, there we go. Yes, Vicky has it. It's on your yellow your yellow books. <laughs> Luckily, I knew the color. Well, I wouldn't. Yeah. There's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a yeah. downside of color coding my bookcase. Yes. Yeah. That it's a it's a great book, and he talks about labels, and what that is is it's a statement that. Uh, articulates what the other person is as feeling or how they're behaving. So it, and this could, if you, again, if you have attention, you have a feeling. And if you say, if you give someone the words that helps label that feeling, that's a huge gift, right? So, you know, seems like you aren't ready to talk about this right now. And if you're wrong, like, no, I'm good. Then, Hey, you've, you've helped, you've, you've gotten more information context about the relationship. So that's a really good, you could check out, he's got some videos on YouTube you can get for free, but labeling is a, is a good skill uh, in the communicate phase. So there we go. Uh, next is, so we have decide, we have communicate. Now we're on forgive. So first I'll just say forgive yourself. Like you are going to make huge mistakes. Uh, usually when people ask me, how do I lead in a crisis? I just say terribly. Uh, you know, it's and the just, more terrible, the better. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, the more the more forgiveness I can give myself, right? You're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna have hindsight. It's like it's just so. Uh, you think about like playing chess, and you have an hour to make a move, or a minute to make a move, or a second to make a move, right? Like you, things are just gonna happen, and situations are more complex. You know, give yourself a break. You're doing the best you can. Uh, the best thing you can do is take some ownership of what went wrong. Make adjustments. Move forward. Keep going. And then forgive others around you, right? We've talked about this already, but you know everybody's in a weird situation right now. This is not the time to. Yeah, the, the forgiving others, I think, is really interesting, and you know, particularly when we're in when we're in states of tension, it's very easy to react to something that someone's phrased incorrectly or not the words you would have used, or or you, you know, you you um, how can I put it? Uh, you you experience criticism and you can't see the positive intent because. You just—it's like you don't have the headspace, the emotional bandwidth to be able to figure it out, and and I actually think that this is where the more you do the communicate stage earlier, the the more the more currency you have. Yes. Um, from the perspective of uh, receiving forgiveness from other people, um, and that—that's you know I, I think that's that's I think it's sometimes forgotten about. That's right. Yeah. And uh, and so that's forgive, and then finally learn. So this it would be a terrible thing if we all go through this crisis for over a year and we're no better, no better prepared, no wiser after the fact. And that's almost impossible to do, but you can really be effective at leveling up your learning knowledge, wisdom after the fact. So a couple of things I do. So journal my, uh, what I'm learning throughout. So I have, I use day one, I have a Mac and I go all the way back to sort of the last day I was at a client site. And I put a picture in there of, uh, I know it was PSG, they were playing the Champions League in 2020. 
uh, and the stadium was empty and they weren't piping in uh, the, the crowd yet. And so you could actually hear everybody yelling. It was, it was very, very weird. And then when, when you score a goal and then you go and run to the crowd, it's like there's no one there to greet you. <laughs> it was, and, and that, those two kind of things were really make me think, man, this was, this was a very bizarre time. And all the way through, you know, every time something comes up where I made a mistake or made a decision or learned a piece of information, that's all been captured. I haven't really synthesized it yet. I review it every now and then, but at some point when all this is over, I'll go through and kind of synthesize everything and make sure that, you know, I go and kind of relive the, uh, what's happened in the past. And so journaling works for me and I don't do it every day, just when, you know, sort of memorable things come up. Uh, and then, yeah, doing the synthesis, synthesizing later. Uh, and then that's a way to kind of create a future playbook, right? What would your past self have wanted to like day one of the crisis? Like, hey, here's 50 things that you really need to know because the next year is going to be really terrible for you. <laughs> like that would be great. So you can create that for yourself for the next crisis. You know, that's some version you, you in the learn phase, you know, as you described it, some version of journaling, I, I actually think, you know, and there's many ways of doing it, right? Some people want to write in, you know, write in a diary. Some people want to capture it as notes. Some people have, you know, elaborate second brain systems on their computers and all sorts. But but that but the actual act of journaling something, um, I, I I think it's a certainly for a fabulous person on that journey to being a fabulous leader. I I, I think it's critical because otherwise you for, for many reasons. One, I think it's a emotional health. Uh, you know, you've got to find a way of detoxifying your mind from whatever is accumulating. Um, and secondly, I think these moments, the crisis moments, are absolutely where we learn the most. But even what we retain from those learnings is a tiny fraction of the opportunity cost of what we could have learned in those moments. And so if you, you know, and we learn, you know, that's how we build resilience. That's how we build um, uh, the scars, the scar tissue, if you like, to be able to, to succeed, grow, lead later on in our careers. And just, just journaling in that learn phase will, you know, it'll, it'll double, if not triple, how, how much learning you, you retain um, and ultimately, you know, accelerate your career and your, your overall levels of success and happiness, irrespective of how you choose to define success. Yeah. I just brought up, so 19th of March, 2020, I have one entry in day one called Get Your Orders, and I have a little field notes pocket book, and I have three things written on the back page, and it's uh, demonstrate delivery excellence in a remote environment, uh, push on business development while being, quote unquote, strategically helpful, right? We had people, we had clients cutting services, so we needed to get work sold uh, in a way that was valuable, right? And ensure our existing contracts are finalized. We're in a contracting phase at one of our clients and we need to make sure that those went through. And I had like very specific discussions around those orders. And I told it, I told everybody, I said, if it's not on this list, I'm not doing it. Right. I'm just focusing on these three things. And now if I need a number four, we can talk about that, but I'm not doing it. So that's from the 19th. I have a, a picture from the PSG game on March 11th. I uh, got a bunch of pictures of my kids. Like there's a ton of pictures of my kids like in the first couple months because this was, uh, again, very, uh, very stressful. And then May, just one more. So May 
2020, that's when I had the discussion with Gordon, actually, around Naslov's and checking in on the well-being of the people around me uh, to get a picture of where they're coming from into the conversation before talking quote-unquote business, right? We just discussed that. And it's because this pandemic shoved people into the basic needs category. That's not something we've had to deal with in our careers. Everybody's in the psychological needs. We try to get into self-fulfillment, self-actualization. We don't worry about in our line of work, you know, health and do you have food and, you know, those kind of things, security, safety, like those are assumed. And that was a very real realization. And it was, you know, a month and a half into the pandemic. Right. And so I wrote that down and I have 120 entries, you know, over that time. So not every day, but, um, there you go. I'll tell Gordon, you have 120 entries. He'll be so proud of you. (laughs) Maybe I want (laughs) to review them with me. Give me feedback on them. Some of them are, yeah, going to be terrible. There's some, there's some signal in, in this, though, that I, I really want to synthesize after all this is done. So let, let's, um, you know, we need, we, we're, we're coming up to time. So, you know, tell the listeners the three top three things they should do coming out of this or should consider doing coming out of this. Cool, yeah. Let me, um, let me give you one quote. It's called the Stockdale Paradox. You must never confuse the faith that you will prevail in the end which you, can, which you can never afford to lose with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. So there you go. If you're in this, in, in this situation, you said three things, three, sure. three recommendations. I just think people remember three things. Yes. That's a, that's well, a pretty profound quote. I think you should repeat it again. It is profound. It again, Robert. You might, <laughs> the Stockdale Paradox. Okay, here we go. You must never confuse the faith that you will prevail in the end which you can never afford to lose with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. So you stay disciplined in the moment, but you don't lose faith that it's all going to turn out in the end. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's deep. What a way Mm. to end. Yeah, it's deep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, so three things. One is, you know, understand, like make a decision. Like where are you in a position where you can opt in, lean in, to be part of the solution. Forgive yourself when you mess up and communicate effectively with those around you to the order of double, I would say, are the, the three things. At least double. Let's go for that. At least double. Yeah. That's great. Vicky, any closing thoughts? I think we have a, a great summary for crises that are going to happen way more often than we previously thought happened. Uh, Rob has given us a lot of great food for thought and I have thoroughly enjoyed our time together, especially that profound quote at the end there. Don't know where you pulled that one from, Robert. The Stockdale paradox. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not for me. I wish it was. I wish I was that smart. Robert, is that, is just, is that, a, is that a, I don't know what that is. Is that a book or is that, is that a person's thing? Uh, he was like, in the military. Um, okay. Now you're putting me on the Put me on the spot here. Well, we probably should, we should probably put a link to it in the, in the notes, Vicky. All right, we'll find it. So this was by, um, let's see. We're doing instant Googling. Yeah. James Stockdale, he was an aviator. United States Navy Vice Admiral, awarded the Medal of Honor in the Vietnam War, in which he was a prisoner of war mm. for seven years. Wow. Most yeah. senior naval officer held captive in North Vietnam. Okay, so that, that, that quote has even more weight now. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
when you when you think about it through the context of being a prisoner of war. And the fact that it's a paradox, right? Yeah. I mean, if yeah. you think yeah. about... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, the faith, you need to get through it, but then the, the discipline day-to-day to get yourself up against whatever realities you're facing. Yeah, and, and if you want a bonus fourth, and this just popped into my head and it's something I'm going to add to the journal right after we get off the phone, is you know, there are people who have gone, who are smarter than you, who have gone through worse than you. Maybe you could go and read about what they went through to put things in perspective, have bring and being able to, so that would help you bring some balance to your approach, and also to see some uh, time honored wisdom of of how they addressed it. Right. Perspective, yeah, seeking perspective is a beautiful thing. Well, guys, we're at time. Thank you so much, um, Robert. That was, that was great. You know, it was just it was so nice to actually go there from the perspective of what you can do, irrespective of where you are on that journey. Um, and, uh, and I love the way you framed it up. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I, the, the way you expressed the framework, a very simple way that I think um, is very actionable and very practical as well. So I thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure. Well, uh, thank you. I, I would not be where I am in my career today without, without y'all. So thank you oh, very much. That's uh, very kind of you. Oh, well, thank you, Robert. It's been a joy. So everyone, have a great week and be fabulous. Bye, y'all. <laughs>